Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me here in the vault, want to give a huge shout out to this brother for joining me once again here in the vault to break down another album with me. It is none other than Van Everett from the Scenario Radio Show. Of course, those of y'all who listen to our college dropout review, you know, Van here had a great, great time here with us and breaking down that album. You can go ahead and make sure y'all check out to Van Everett, the Scenario Radio Show, of course, at ScenarioRadioShow.com and also on social media by searching Scenario Radio Show. Y'all can get there. Y'all know he goes and he puts down great work, of course, there at his show. And we want to thank all y'all for joining us as well, stateside and worldwide, continuing to support the show. Make sure y'all are going as well to VaultClassicPod.com. Once again, that's VaultClassicPod.com to check out all of our past shows episodes make sure you're going to the merchandise store to cop that merch as well as we said winter time is here and a vault hoodie would do you well i know because i have them and they fit perfectly during this time and keep me very very warm and the fact that we've had two snowstorms back to back here in the dmv my vault sweatshirt which had me very comfortable when i was shoveling snow out there so make sure you do yourself a solid and get there to vaultclassicpod.com to the merch store and get you one as well once again vaultclassicpod.com and get to our social media pages and connect with us there as well to interact with us about our reviews and let us know how you're feeling the show and any suggestions you may have as well as we always like to say here on the vault our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag nothing but the classics or mbtc and van Great to have you back here again, sir. Thank you again for joining us here on The Vault. And we're back here, of course, in season six and doing albums from 1999, 1994, and 2004, 20, 25, and 30 years. And we have another one we're going to go back to now. We're actually are going to go back, Van, 30 years ago. And uh, yeah. we're going to go to an album that many of you may remember, especially if you're of a certain age and a group that many of you may remember if you're of a certain age. We're talking about none other than the debut studio album of R&B group Jeanne with their album being titled Pronounce Jeanne and released February 15th, 1994, recorded in 1993 at a number of different studios, a few of them. Enterprise Studios, Encore Studios, Marion Recording Studio in Fairview, New Jersey, and Unique Recording Studios in New York City with a runtime of 56 minutes and 34 seconds on Motown Records. Yes, that Motown Records. The producers on this, primarily KG. Yes, that KG from Naughty by Nature and the group Jeanne themselves. Debut album with a track listing of 12 tracks, 13 if you have the remixes on there as well. And for the deluxe version, there's 14 tracks on there with a remix of Groove Thing as well. Now, the group Van Jeanne, those of you who remember them from the early 90s, I would say early and mid 90s, made up of the duo of Renee Newfield and Gene Norris, who went to Temple University together in Philadelphia. And they would sing together at talent shows and events. And they had a particular background where they sung they around Philadelphia. They met up, eventually linked up with Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith. 
They did recordings together. And then eventually, you know, they were suggested to be able to become a group with each other and sort of solidify the idea. And they came up with the idea of the name Jeannet by taking the beginning of first of their names and using the French pronunciation of their name. So they made it Jeannet and then added a Z for a little bit of flavor. They actually had a spot in an all-star compilation to call Roll With The Flavor. And they had the opportunity to link up with none other than KG of Naughty By Nature fame, fame producer. And they were impressed so much by them. They would go right in the studio to record basically for Roll With The Flavor and then also do Hey Mr. DJ, which was their debut single. And yeah. from there, they put out that debut album. And right in 1994, they hit us, I would say, really out of nowhere. They came out of nowhere with this sound and really impressed a lot of us, especially those fans during that time. It was something that was, you know, unique uh, in regards to them. Uh, their look was definitely unique. Their voices were sort of unique in a certain sense. And, you know, from there, they had the singles on the album, which were, of course, we said, hey, Mr. DJ was a huge hit. Groove Thing released in January of 90, uh, January 94. Uh, Sending My Love, which was released in May of 94. And Vibe released in all of August uh, 1994. This album, when it came out, and the track of Hey, Mr. DJ was such a big hit. People who were out during that time would tell me what, how much of a banger that was to be in the club or to be out in a party scene to hear something like that, that that really was a big oh, yeah. hit amongst people. So, you know, I was a little bit before my time, but I do remember the track in the radio. Oh, I was outside back then. I know you I was, was outside. outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, for those who were, were out during that time, man, those listening to it, not just there was a, a jam on the radio and there was a jam in the party scene, man. So, definitely some good times to be heard with that. And without no further, we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So, Van, we'll start with you. You said you was out and around and outside during that time. So, Jane, give us your reflection of the group, man. When you first heard them, of course, that single dropped for the first time, came out of nowhere, was a huge hit. But then when that album dropped, man, just let us know what you thought about the rest of their work and hearing beyond just that one single, man, what did you thought think about their work? And what was the impact now that you look at it 30 years afterwards after that album is dropped? Okay, I got to say that first one, because I, I of course, hearing the first single on the uh, Roll With The Flavor compilation, which was uh, all of the artists at Queen Latifah's Flavor Unit Management mm -hmm. was, you know, that was their way of showcasing those artists. Mm -hmm. And so when it drops, I, of course, I'm waiting to hear what Naughty By Nature is going to do. They're the premier group at the, mm -hmm. at the time and everything. And this song comes on, uh, Hey Mr. DJ, and immediately, because musically it doesn't sound like anything else, it's got those roads playing and, and this isn't a we're in new jack mm -hmm. era there's not a lot of roads heavy r&b mm -hmm. uh fender roads type stuff going on yeah and that that is an indicator of what to expect so it, it caught my ear immediately and i was like i need to hear what else these women have yeah. I, I want more of this so when the album drops interestingly enough in february of 1994 it dropped during a ice storm in Middle Tennessee, where I was living at the time. Wow. My homeboy, who just happened to cop it, because we were working together. We He's picked me up. We go, go to work together every day. Mm -hmm. And we were always just listening to music and whatever, you know, with the new thing. He brings that. He pulls that out. And we are just on that album hard. Mm -hmm. They shut down work because nobody could need to be there. We really need to be at home, but we rode around sliding across ice listening to that album. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it, that, that's how much of an impression it was making. And I think a lot of it, I didn't realize it at the time, or the reason the album made such an impression on me was because it was in a lot of ways a precursor to Neo Soul. Mm. And 
And I, you know, Neo Soul, the interesting thing about Neo Soul is that everyone who loves Neo Soul at that time, before it existed, they knew that that's what they wanted. They just couldn't quite put their finger on it. It was only when artists were bringing certain things out and were like, oh, that's it. There's something there. That Jamiroquai sounds interesting. That brand new heavy sounds interesting. So you get these two sisters with this sensibility, even in their look and everything, that just seems right. It's different. And, and, you know, you don't know whether or not the public's going to accept it because that's just not what R&B really looks like or sounds like. Mm -hmm. But it it works like gangbusters. Yeah, the whole album, because a lot of those songs capture that sensibility. When it opens with Vibe, Vibe has that sensibility. It Mm -hmm. has that, you know, with the guitar and everything in it. It has that same sensibility. So I bought in. I was all the way in on this album when I heard it. It's still, to this day, one of the most impactful albums, personally for me, as a musician, when I was a musician. The way it informed what I thought about in production, recording, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I I can't speak highly enough of it. But when I think about the lasting impression, I think I I appreciate it because, now I will say it has a lot of rawness in the recording. You can tell KG Mm -hmm. is someone who is figuring out how to record R&B. He knows how to record hip-hop. And these women, although they know music, they don't necessarily know recording. So there's a rawness that is in the album that, you know, but but it all works. It yeah. all works. The the hip hop sensibility and everything. It all really works. Obviously, we'll get into some of the songs that are yeah. better than others when, as we go along. But yeah, and another part of the first reaction that I can't overlook. Another thing that made me anticipate this album was that before it had come out, they both did a showcase on video LP mm. back on B on BT's video LP back okay. in the day. This they did this in late '93, hosted by the lovely Madeline Woods. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. The the one and only Madeline Woods. And they showcased a lot of the songs from the album, them two performing. Mm-hmm. Nothing but them and a piano. Mm. And they held it down. Held it they down. did a bunch of the songs, including like a song or two that never actually made the album. But mm, yeah. yeah. And, and so they, I was, you know, completely sold on mm. this, you know, yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Interesting you made that point about KG, man, is that you said he was still trying to figure it out. Like he knew enough about producing and about music that he knew that he couldn't produce them the same way he produced Naughty. But he mm-hmm. knew that it needed to be a, something a little different. Like you said, he was still trying to figure out how to produce R&B. And you get that from listening to the songs here because it, it passes enough, right? Because oddly enough, that style of production fit the group that he was producing. You could see later on in, in the 90s and into the 2000s, he definitely locked down producing R&B though. Like once he yeah. got it down, oh, yeah. once he got it down, he got it down. I'd like to tell people, see Coffee Brown after party for how KG got it down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but for me, I was in elementary school when this came out. I don't mean to date myself so much, but, you know, <laughs> but um, to me, listening to it then, I knew that it was something, right? And that's something, like you said, the thing that you couldn't put your finger on at the moment. And I figured it out a few years later, and it's not unlike a lot of the things you said. Like, it, it was sort of neo-soul before you had the term that Keter made, Keter Massenberg made this neo-soul thing. For me, mm-hmm. looking back on it now, I'm able to perfectly explain what it was that I was feeling and now that I have the words to be able to express it and that is the fact that the jams were undeniable I mean they captured everybody's attention and that's really what pulled you in were the jams right and their Mm -hmm. voices uh, Renee and Jean's voices were smooth though they weren't powerful but still alluring right the harmonies were not intricate but they were efficient and you know their two voices were complementary with each other as much as you would want two singers to be 
who could be as close vocally to each other as two singers could be to be in a group. What surprised, I think, so many of us when it came to their music and to that debut is that while it include a, a lot of like, you know, what you would call like soul and sort of hip hop blended tracks, so many of it included so many slow jams and they were banging slow jams, right? I mean, tracks that I would say, listening to this yeah. album, these were tracks that you could play basketball to, you could cook dinner to, you could have a couple of glasses of wine afterwards to, you could uh, make love to, you could smoke to, anything really. Yeah. <laughs> it was versatile music. And to me, the fact that they could be at times so funky, but then also so suave was definitely a plus. Because what it meant is, is that it had a little something for everybody in there if you liked R&B music, right? And depending on what kind of R&B music that you liked, there was something on the album that you could sort of get down to. Going to your point in regards to physically what they looked like, that look was something that you didn't see in American mm-hmm. R&B singers, especially black R&B singers as well. And that was something that was a look that was, uh, oh, that's different, you know? <laughs> and you see these sisters here, they're beautiful but classy, and they're not really putting it out there too much, not over-sexualizing themselves or the music or anything like that as well. Yeah. And then you get the jams that are on there. Like we said, and you hear songs like Groove Thing and Hey Mr. DJ and things that got the party moving back in the day. And even when you were listening to it, just the ear is telling you that this is a jam. Jams that are now 30 years later when you listen to them of a certain audience, you get a certain reaction and you still get that certain reaction when you hear that. When you talk about Hey Mr. DJ, those Fender Rhodes in the background and then that bass line. That doom, mm-hmm. doom, doom, doom. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean. Yeah. It's roller skating music. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but that appeal that they had in regards to the differentiated themselves from the way that they looked to the way that the harmonies were, like the, the vocals weren't overpowering. You weren't going to get Whitney Houston and Anita Baker there, but you got something that blended so well together, right? It was mm-hmm. it was just perfect. And you hear that in so many of the different songs that they put out on that album. And kudos also to KG of understanding that he needed to do something with them, but he didn't want to take away too much of what they were. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they were kind of figuring out the recording thing as well. But it was just one of those things, sort of like, just let them go in there, let them cook, see what they're going to do, and we're going we gonna to figure it out afterwards to see if there's something else that we need to do to it, right? And if we don't need to do anything with it, we'll leave it for what it is. And also props to them for producing and writing some of this music. And mm-hmm. when you get into the playlist of this music and seeing some of these songs, particularly in the ones that Renee wrote, they were talking about the you know, the sweet taste of loves and the off my minds and the love me today. Incredible, incredible writing and music that is done where it's sort of like, you know, if you're KG, you sort of let them sit back and let them take the lead of doing things and sort of yeah. be the supervisor if something goes wrong. But other than that, it was a great collaborative approach between him and the group of making the album that was perfect for them. And that's really what I think was unique about it is that they made yeah. the perfect album that was perfect for them for an R&B group that nobody knew, nobody had heard of. But when you listen to it, it was undeniable that it was jamming though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their jazz credentials are showed on a lot of that stuff as well. Yes. And yes. I don't think it gets mentioned a lot because there's a blend. The album is a blend of a lot of different things, which mm-hmm. was common in R&B at that time. You know, mm-hmm. people were pulling in different influences and they pull a jazz influence in there. And their, jazz, their style, stylistically, the way they sing mm-hmm. is definitely jazz in. Jazz influenced, yes. Absolutely, yes. Just listening to it, though, you knew it was undeniable, though, at that time. Then and also now. Mm -hmm. 
highlights and lowlights. So, Van, your highlights from Pronounced by John A., man. What are some of your highlight tracks on this joint? Yeah, of course, all the singles. But I want to make sure that I don't overlook how unassailable Sending My Love is. You know, because they come with, they've already came with two singles. Both of them were some pretty much straight ahead, slow yeah. house, floor, four on the floor type beats. And then they take this, you're a customer from EPMD. Yes. And it's laid, this, this just strong groove. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have a lot going on. They just have an airy piano yeah. to just bridge that, the you know, the rhythm of it together and everything. And they have the most beautiful melody mm-hmm. over the top of that thing. Yeah. And, and it's simple. The song is so simple. It's simple enough that you that you might get confused into thinking that it's not really clever. But yeah. it's like, no, no, they simply put something mm-hmm. very beautiful together. There. Yeah. And it goes to show, I don't think that they get enough credit for the songwriting that they were capable of doing, not just in the words, but in the way that they put words and melodies together and how they delivered them. Songs that, I, that obviously don't get mentioned are songs like La La La, which is a really beautiful ballad yes um it, it's well put together for this all the same reasons and i think uh, i think there are people who probably never heard that song if they go and listen to it it will become one of their favorite songs oh, yeah. right off the bat and for a reason which is a melancholy mm. song that kind of closes up everything on the album and it's just them singing and a piano again that's it there's something to be said there <laughs> about what they're able to do when it's just those two yeah and that piano yeah yeah, that, that um, those are some of the highlights for me on the album. Mm-hmm. I think the lowlights for me aren't necessarily because they're bad songs, but you can tell with two people who aren't accustomed to recording and a producer who's still figuring it out, mm-hmm. there are songs that have a certain incompleteness to them. Mm-hmm. When they do it right, it doesn't feel incomplete. It just feels trimmed down and perfect. Yeah. But that same thing, those same sensibilities sometimes don't deliver. Mm. So, okay. for instance, uh, Can't Get You Off My Mind, which is a <laughs> jazz song, straight-head jazz. It's, you know, mm-hmm. ride, cymbal, everything. It's a straight-head jazz song. But you can tell they, no one knew, at least KG didn't know, to get the right musicians mm. to do it. Because it sounds wow. like it's a jazz trio playing. But mm-hmm. a good jazz trio that know what they're doing can still sound full. And yeah. But it's... Yeah, it, those musicians aren't the best on that song. So, and again, it's not a terrible song, but uh, Sweet Taste of Love, which is an, a new Jack Swing rhythm, but it's just really spare. <coughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it doesn't, everything doesn't connect with that and that one as well mm. either. Okay. Those are two of the songs that I think that neither are terrible songs, but you can tell they just were unfinished. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. And for me, uh, my highlights, of course, like you said, the singles, um, all incredible. Hey, Mr. DJ is just all all time track right there, man. Um, And the thing that I think that is clever about that is being able to get that rap from fam from Rotten Rascals. (laughs) Because then I I think to me that brings the song to a different level, right? I mean, adding that in is the early 90s R&B and hip hop collaborations or rap collaborations are starting to escalate more to a to a higher level it becomes more of a thing as we move into 94 and 95 um it becomes a recipe for success but that little eight bar verse that he spits right there part of that hip-hop influence you talk about with kg sort of peeking in right there groove thing i mean that's a great track right there i mean again just hearing them their voices the sending my love as you mentioned taking that epmd sample that groove and then the melody over that's just like oh it's honey it really is it's absolute honey Mm -hmm. But then getting into some of the album tracks, as we mentioned, the songs like Vibe and then getting into like some of the more ballad-like tra- tracks like Love Me Today and La La La, 
are songs that really just capture my sensibility to see that they were able to slow it down. And that jazz influence coming in was something that put my mind into a different place, right? At a certain point, I almost forgot that I was listening to Jean A and understanding that I'd heard a song like Hey Mr. DJ earlier on in the album, right? I felt like I was listening to a completely different album at that time mm-hmm. or another genre, but it wasn't a bad thing necessarily. Being able to end for a reason for that, like you said, very melancholy, stripped down at its base, just that piano and the two of them singing. It was an excellently done track and was something that when you listen to obviously the lyrics and what they're singing about as well, was perfectly done to have that track placed where it was in the sequencing of that album. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, it, oh, man, I mean, just perfectly, perfectly done. You know, and the fact that it's the longest track on the album, and it's something that you, when I was listening to it, wasn't like, damn, this track isn't over yet already. I just kept listening to, okay, now there's more. Okay, yeah, now there's yeah. more. Now there's they, more. They knew yeah. that you don't let this end. You have to let this. This has to, the the longing that they're expressing needs to come out in this just It continuing. needs to breathe. It needs to breathe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's what I felt, you know, in listening to that. So all of those tracks right there were things that I had individual parts that were so highlights to me. As far as lowlights are concerned, for me, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of changes, right? I mean, I, I thought it was okay, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. I thought that in the midst of the run of tracks that they were on, changes were something that I was sort of like, mm, I don't know how I really feel about this. I'm kind of indifferent about this, right? It wasn't like, uh-huh. I, I think it's a bad song. It's not a great song, but it's not a bad song either. I'm a little bit indifferent about it. And to me, when I think you're indifferent about a track, that's about as bad as you saying that you don't like it, you know? Because if mm-hmm. you evoke no emotion out of anybody on a track, it's just like, yeah, this is, <laughs> that's not as good. I mean, and I've heard some people actually say that they like changes, but for me, it wasn't really something that, that I like. What I do have to say when you mentioned about Off My Mind, when you mentioned that, I I was I wrote something down about this track, and it says, I can't really put my finger on this or what it is that's bothering me about this. And it's not like, like you said it's a bad song, but it's something about this that's a little bit off that I can't really put my finger on it. And you nailed yeah. it perfectly in your description. Um, yeah, they, they didn't have the musicians that they had. Even if they're really good musicians, they did not have anything to interpret because yes. no one was there to communicate to them, yeah. this is what needs to this happen. This is what needs to happen, exactly. And so that's what it was that I thought that was was missing something. Something was just not connecting right there. But uh, other than that, though, I thought it was a great blend of being able to take the many different genres they're attempting to encapsulate here. And they captured it perfectly from the funk to the hip hop feel, everything from the drums to the instrumentation to stripping everything down to something on for a reason. Then getting into something like a track like La 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 and hearing that and just being like, wow, like I, I can hear these different influences and it's just like if they were to do something like a whole album of tracks just like these then i would be down with something like this or i can mm-hmm. it's like it was a group really you could see them uh per, you know performing anywhere from a nightclub to um a blue set to a jazz lounge and they would fit perfectly in any one of those different circumstances right and, and yeah. it's it's a little interesting to say that because like i said their voices weren't necessarily intricate or i would even say super powerful but they were versatile, right? And so that's what the great thing is that what their allure was, the fact that it was so, their voices were versatile and could fit in so many different things, and it wouldn't seem like it was out of place. Highlights, lowlights, I mean, in regards to changes, like I said, something I just can't really put my finger on when it comes off my mind as well. But, you know, for the most part, though, there are definitely lots of highlights on there for this, this to be their first recording. And for KG's really first step to be producing R&B and mass as well. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, you, you see that everybody learned something from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
final verdict. So, Van, what say you about producer John John A? Do you say that this is a classic? You say it's an essential album, dope album, good, just okay, or something else other than that? Um, I say it's dope. If more of the songs were a little bit stronger and felt more complete, I would I could call it a, a at least an essential. I think whatever makes it essential would be the fact that if you want to know the history of Neo Soul, this is a good place to start. Wow. Um, but yeah. but it's a good companion piece to Neo Soul. So but again, I would definitely have you to go and listen to some Michelle and Deggio Cello, some brand new heavies, mm. some Soul to Soul, yeah. all of those groups, D influence, a couple of British, you know, groups out that came out around this time and this would give you a good idea if they had had enough opportunity to see what neo soul would become and then they put this album out it would have sounded 10 times better and it's a great album now yeah and like uh, it's a dope album now but it would have been just phenomenal you know because they would have had the right people everyone would have understood what they were actually trying to do that they just even probably hadn't figured out themselves mm-hmm. but but yeah so but but with all that said it is definitely a dope album it's definitely worth listening and and it's something that if someone has not heard it i would recommend it and especially if they are just interested in the way that music flows and changes over time Indeed. I will have to say dope as well. Um, I'm kind of like struggling between dope and essential. And to me, uh-huh. it's sort of like, you know, classic is classic. Obviously, you know that essential to me is something that is a step right below classic. Isn't quite a classic, but you can't have the conversation in the genre without it. Right. That yeah. it becomes an essential part of the conversation. That where to me is essential album is, is an essential part of the conversation. Well, I don't think that this album is quite yet there. It's right at the doorstep of being essential like you mentioned when you want to talk about what it means in regards to the introduction of neo soul and how big it would become eventually with the release of brown sugar to a year afterwards when it comes onto the scene which essentially mm-hmm. launches the neo soul movement into the tw- into the latter part of the 90s into the 2000s uh-huh. but um it is a dope album. It's a dope album by a dope group, a group that I feel like even today when we look back on this period doesn't necessarily get the credit, I think, as to their work. And I think a lot of that has to come with, one, by the saturation of great R&B acts during that time, and then two, mm-hmm. it's because, one, they had this album, then they had their, their second album in 1997, which wasn't as acclaimed or didn't do as well commercially. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, after that second album, they were gone. And as yeah. a group, you didn't necessarily hear anything about them because they didn't put out anything else, anything else new. So it's sort of like, to a certain respect, John A has sort of been relegated to sort of the mid to back pages of this era, even though they put out an incredibly dope album and they've released a couple of different singles that are some of the best singles of this year of 1994. So and those singles are definitely essential. Are, like yeah, the singles yeah. are essential. That's why it makes it so hard to, you know, just to, uh, not give it to not them. Give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. And the hard thing about this game, when we talk about when I do these ratings for albums is that, getting confused a classic album versus an album that has a number of different classic singles on them, right? Uh It's got to be the whole body of work that we talk about when we say about classic albums or essential albums. This album is dope, and calling it dope is not anything bad. It is definitely an album that when I talk about something you need to get on your playlist, you want to listen to for even into something that you should do, man. But it's a dope album. It's something that I think that if you're listening to albums and you want to listen to what music in 93 and 94 sounded like, you pop this in, that's going to give you a great idea what the music sounded like during that time. 
you know? Mm-hmm. But it does have a point of differentiation where you listen to Jeanne and you know that they're not SWV and you know they're not in Vogue and you know they're not TLC or yep. even someone like Changing Faces. They have their own point of differentiation to themselves. And that's a great thing, especially during that time when uh-huh. you needed a point of differentiation during that time in the music. Because if you did it, you appeared to be like somebody else. Well, boys and girls, that's what we called biting, you know, <laughs> and to be called a biter or a copier in those days was almost akin to career suicide so <laughs> you know yeah. you needed to be different man but there we are john a pronounces john a 30 years old make sure y'all hit us up on social media let us know what y'all think about the album hit us up what do y'all think about it what are some of your favorite songs and do you agree with us that it's just a dope album and then of course what else would you have liked to seen from them as time went on only two albums from john a mm-hmm. what could they have done had they put out another maybe two or maybe even three albums where would yeah. they stand so i can't i can't stress enough that i really would have loved to have seen them hold on a little longer uh Kedar Massenberg ended up at Motown yeah so they were there both of them were there they if they just linked up with the yeah, right people, right the right people. Time, yeah it'd have been a different story it could have been dope man it could have been dope so van thanks again for joining us man hit the people up once again man how can they find you what you got coming up and uh all that good stuff you can always keep up with everything that we're doing at www.thescenarioradioshow.com. Mm-hmm. But if you put Scenario Radio in any social media, you're going to find us on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, all of those things. The Scenario is fairly easy to find like that. And we always give you a dope playlist to go along with it as well. Van Everett, boys and girls, make sure y'all checking out Scenario Radio Show. He told y'all where to find him, man. Go ahead, check it out. Link up with him. Make sure you are subscribing as well. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support, and if you have a friend, tell a friend, and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big, because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate, because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.